This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome to the Kim Hill Collection. It's not often that you get an American ambassador to sit down for an hour live with one of the country's most incisive interviewers, but in July 2017, that's exactly what we got. Donald Trump was a few months into his presidency at the time. He had made a few polarising decisions and comments, and it's fair to say that Kim wanted to interrogate a few of them. This is one of the most feedback-generating interviews ever on Saturday morning. And just a quick note, there were some songs in the original broadcast of this interview. We can't include those for copyright reasons on the podcast, so we've just cut around them. Enjoy. The US ambassador to New Zealand under the Trump government is Scott Brown. He's had a full and successful life, more than 30 years in the Army National Guard, three years as a Republican senator in Massachusetts, a lawyer, a Fox News commentator, and, of course, Cosmopolitan Magazine's American Sexiest Man, handpicked by Helen Gurley Brown herself. No relation, I'm assuming. Now here he is, U.S. Ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa. Scott Brown, welcome. Hello. Hello, good morning I to I left you that point about America's Sexiest Man till last, but you've got to say it right. Sure, why not? You know, and you've got, you know, you mention it in your memoirs and everything. You've just been watching the telly, mm. and you said there's my friend Anthony, Anthony Scaramucci, who is the new communications director, Sean Spicer gone, Anthony Scaramucci in. How do you know him so well? Uh, he was you know f- everybody in the White House now, do you? I know quite a few folks, but Anthony is a special friend. We've known each other for quite a while. We both went to Tufts University. Uh, Anthony, I was on his board as an advisor at Skybridge Capital, and I actually introduced him to the president. So it's interesting that he's parlayed that into actually being the communications director. And quite frankly, I think he'll do a great job. He's very direct. He's honest. He's hardworking. And I think uh, it's good to have a, a change there. What was the matter with Sean Spicer? I like Sean quite a bit. I love his military service. I like his direct directness, uh, but it's not up to me. It's up to the president. Yeah, but you think Anthony Scaramucci will be better? I think they'll... I think uh, Sean did a really nice job considering all the issues that uh, have been floating around. And What are the issues? Well, you know, obviously being portrayed by Saturday Night Live and kind of getting hammered uh, on a very regular basis. For no a, reason at all? No, he has a very direct style. And uh, quite frankly, people aren't used to that in Washington. They're used to being kind of coddled, the press especially. And when you speak directly and you kind of push back, they don't seem to like it. Anthony's uh, will be the same, but probably a little bit smoother. Was he? Did he? Was he the one that said... You know, um, good luck, Sean. I'm sure you'll make a lot of money, or I hope you'll make yeah, a lot I'm, of money. I'm not sure what he said. I haven't really that been following it. struck me as a really weird thing to say. Like, yeah. that was what it's all about, making money, is yeah. it? Once again, I can't comment because I'm here with you. Here you are. Now, I know uh, quite a lot about you from your memoir, Against All Odds, My Life of Hardship, Fast Breaks and Second Chances, which you wrote when you were Senator of Massachusetts. Correct. Tell me about being Senator of Massachusetts, by the way, because you... Um, It was a special election after Ted Kennedy had died. It was a Democrat stronghold. Oh, yeah. And there you were, a Republican. Shock horror. How did you manage that? Um, Because people wanted to change. You had Obamacare, which is this total government takeover of health care. And in Massachusetts, we had what's called Romney Care, which was already working very lovely for uh, citizens. We had the fully covered Cadillac plans all the way down to the uh, fully subsidized Commonwealth care plans, all these care in, uh, plans in between with various options, you know, good and solid costs with good and reasonable deductibles. Then Obamacare comes along and wants to completely destroy what we had. And you're right, uh, 
Massachusetts only had 11 percent enrollment in Republicans. The rest were Democrats, a stronghold forever. And they were assuming that it would be a Democratic seat. But there was a lot of anger, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, really disappointment with the Obama administration. And they wanted somebody different. And I had an opportunity to serve for three years. And that would have been a, a turn up for the books. People would have been very astonished by that, would they? Yeah, it was uh, the first election in, I think, 70 years of a Republican, especially we, all the governors were Democrats, you know, the secretary, the treasurer, every congressional office, every senator. Senator Kerry was the senior senator. And it was uh, kind of, it changed the supermajority that the Democrats had. And in, in, in our country, you if you have 60 senators, you can basically control everything. And they had 60. And when I came, it went down. Down to 59. So that means that the Republicans were really back in the game. They could actually have a say to stop things, to actually have a conversation about an issue versus it being rammed through. And since that time, as you're probably following, uh, that Harry Reid uh, changed that even further to allow for a simple majority. So now the Republicans are in charge, and they don't, in fact, need any uh, Democratic support to get things done. So it's obviously very complicated, very, you know, politics is a blood sport, uh, sadly, in, in our country right now. And you know, you just have to kind of muddle through it and see what happens. Uh, just the point about Obamacare. I mean, presumably Obamacare was brought <clears throat> in to uh, help millions and millions of Americans who were unable to get health care or insurance. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but there are different ways to do it. Uh, some folks think that the government intervention controlling everything is a good thing, and we've seen through But our, if there were different ways to do it, why didn't the Republican government do it? Well, we, we did it in Massachusetts. They did it in, in uh, Florida. They did it in Tennessee. So individual states, I believe that the states quite can do it better than the federal government. If you look at our post office, you look at our Veterans Administration, they're running billions and billions of dollars of deficits, and they're not doing it right. People are dying in the Veterans Administration. The states can do it better, and that's what I advocate, because I believe people should have the option to obviously have health care. It's, it's, a, it's a right, but we can do it better uh, via the states. Um, you, you, th- the reason you grew up was because of welfare, of course. And well, yet, that's not necessarily true. My well, mom, I mean, you've talked about your your mother. Yeah. You know, she worked two or three jobs. That's not welfare. But, but she when did she have a, wasn't yeah. working, then there was welfare. There was a safety net occasionally. Yes, occasionally. Yeah, it wasn't a full time uh, situation. No, no, no. But the safety six, net was always six, there. Yeah, she needed of course, it. absolutely. Yeah. Just like it is with every citizen in our in our is state. Is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you have extreme levels of poverty in America, it seems absurd, doesn't it? You're such a wealthy country. Uh, where, where are those extreme levels? You. You don't think that there are extreme levels of poverty? Well, where, where in particular? Practically everywhere to? you look. I mean, you look at the Rust Belt. That's why they voted for your man Donald Trump because they say that you know we're the working poor. We haven't got the jobs. We're well, poor now. Well, there's a difference between extreme poverty and and, and being laid off. And well, not it's relative. A job. That's quite no, right. No, it's 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 reality. There's extreme poverty when you have had no access. You've never worked. You have no jobs. You have no education. That's a lot different than folks who have been working, hardworking people for their whole lives, and then their jobs went away because of you know various factors and they're looking for a job so there's opportunities to get retrained there's opportunities to to obviously have that safety net but the people that I know and many people in America they want to work they don't like getting the handouts they want to they want to feel that 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 power of actually working and providing for his or her family and that's what my mom did by working two or three jobs that's what uh, other folks want to do What's what's going to happen when there just simply aren't those jobs anymore, as well, there aren't? Well, there is, with respect, uh, in various parts of our country, especially since this president's taken over, there's a whole new attitude of jobs being created, companies feeling that, you know, taxes are going to be streamlined, regulations are going to be consolidated and reduced. There's a whole I new... I was thinking more about the future of work. I mean, 
increasing automation, yeah. fewer manual jobs. Yeah, there are people yeah. who will not be needed to work the, 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 anymore. The, the automation that you're referring to is interesting because as the minimum wage goes up and as the uh, the technology improves, you're right, there are certain people who potentially could fall through the cracks, and that's why it's very important to start at the local level with that retraining, with the education. Uh, to what make are they going to be retrained to do, though? Well, it depends on where they live. It depends what opportunities are there. Uh, certainly in the Rust Belt, there's opportunities for other companies to come in now. There's uh, autom- automobile dealers coming into some of those communities. Uh, automobile factories, I should say. There's uh, various other opportunities, certainly, with uh, you know getting uh, construction, especially, is something that's really happening with the potential reconstruction of a lot of our infrastructure. So it depends on the individual. depends what their motivation and education level is. Well, you um, were fairly highly educated, despite the fact that, I mean, you've talked about your background. Your mother and father split up acrimoniously. They went on to have four marriages each. Which seems excessive, really, doesn't it? And it you, is. <laughs> you had, you know, violent encounters with your stepfathers. Right. You went off the rails. You got done for shoplifting, all that. Yeah, yeah. And yet, here you are today. Basketball was one thing that saved you, yes? Yes, absolutely. I had a coach who, uh, well, just to share a quick story, the, the there was a woman who was a history teacher, and she saw me do something pretty stupid and said something to a girl that just wasn't right. It was like 12 or 13 years old. She literally saw me in the hall, put down this girl, and she literally came up to me and grabbed my hair, dragged me into the classroom, threw me down in the chair, and starts yelling at me. And then she said, by the way, your hair's too long. And then she gave me a haircut. And then she said, by the way, my, my, my fiance is the basketball coach. I want you to get on and see him right now. And that was basically the the time that uh, changed my life. I just, you know, the coach took me under his wing, and I just went, you know, all in and playing sports. And that was really one of the things that, that saved me, fortunately. Because what, it gave you discipline? It gave me the discipline I needed. It showed somebody that, you know, they cared. And it had the team structure of being, and he put me as the captain, so I had to obviously, you know, do the right thing and be a good role model and example. They pushed the right buttons. I remember she also took me into a, uh, into a classroom. She said, look up this word in a dictionary, and I couldn't. And she said, that's great. That's great. You're six feet tall. You're a good-looking guy. You have a ton of athletic ability, but you're stupid. And I want you to... And then she worked with me forever. She still, they named the kid Scott. I mean, that's how close we are. We're still so close. And it's, uh, I can never forget, you know, forget them. Um, I asked you to choose some music when you came in today because I knew you're a bit of a muser. You've got a, you play the guitar. Yeah. What's your background in in music? Uh, I used to sing, uh, you know, Hero and Funny Thing uh, happened on the way to the Forum, uh, Tufts Jazz and Show Choir. You know, liking theater and jazz, but never played until I lost the Senate race, and then I started playing about four years ago. Why? Uh, because I always wanted to learn how to play the guitar, and there's some bucket list things that I wanted to do. One was to learn how to make sushi. I did that. Another one was to learn how to put together and take apart bicycles. I did that and play the guitar. And the first five songs I learned were cheap trick songs. And uh, I think the reason I focused on that is because I did it. I was a real advocate for music pirating and copyright issues for many artists. And I met Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick in my Senate office, and we just hit it off. And I said, "By golly, I'm going to learn how to play the guitar." So I started deep diving. You know when you when you were America's Sexiest Man and you did the whole modeling thing? Well, yeah. you know, I didn't mean 
I didn't mean to use uh, the no, past no, tense. No, no, Excuse yeah, me. No, no, that's not what I meant. I just I kind of reflect back, and it seems it was 40-something years ago. It's I kind know. of funny. I know. But, I mean, you got the big modeling career going, and you went to parties at Studio 54 yeah, and the yeah. the lines of cocaine and yeah. models and blah. You never took cocaine? No, I never took cocaine. Why would I, you not? I was an athlete and still am an athlete, and I just felt I remember when Len Bias died. He was a Celtic that got drafted, and, and he died because of a, a drug overdose. And I'm, I said to myself, as many of my friends did, uh, hey, if he can die, a guy in great shape with everything in front, you know, what about us? So it just was not, nothing that really turned me on. Because mm. in those days, I don't think people associated cocaine with ill health. It was regarded as an enhancer, wasn't well, it? Well, I remember going to Studio 54 and going backstage and seeing and meeting Rick James and all the and there were piles of drugs and, and alcohol and I just you know stuck with my beers you know I had some beers and you know just kind of did my own thing so um, you were senator for three years as we were saying mm-hmm. um, and it was uh, a huge turnover you know Ted Kennedy and then a Republican and then you lost mm-hmm. why uh, well, about $100 million, and I uh, stopped the president's agenda, and he was angry. And they spent a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, put the muscle of the presidency behind. And we only have 11% Republican enrollment in Massachusetts. So, uh, you know, it's tough to kind of battle those numbers, especially when you have – I won most of the state except uh, I lost Boston, Cambridge, and uh, I think Newton. And Did you know you were going to lose? No, it was close. Uh, it was only uh, five or six points, and it was very close. And uh, since then, Senator Warren and I have really mended our Elizabeth fe- Warren. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we've mended fences, and we have a very positive relationship. Quite, she, she was very generous and helpful in this uh, me becoming an ambassador. She really took uh, the, the reins on the Democratic side. So not because she wanted to get rid of you or anything. No, no, we focused on the things we agree on. We had a we had a kind of a talk after it was over and said, you know what, we're better people than what they're portraying us in the press to be. We're good people, and we care about our our own special little niches. And one thing we agree on. Are, our veterans issues, her brothers, she has three brothers who are veterans. So we focused on the things that we actually agree upon. And the fact that she led the charge on her side and dealt with Leader Schumer, and I passed, as you know, 94 to 4 in record time. I was the second ambassador out the door, I think really is a testament to those relationship buildings. And it's one thing that's missing, and sadly, in the United States Senate and Congress right now is that, that bipartisan camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, and you, you take great pride in, in your I bipartisanship. Do. I do. Um, but it, 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 if you'd stayed on, right, if you'd won, would it have continued? Would oh, yeah. you have been able to continue? Sure, it? sure. I'm a Scott Brown Republican. I do what I think is right. I do, I've done that my whole career. I've always been bipartisan, problem solver. If you want something done, you give it to me or somebody who's busy and likes to do things. Uh, I read the bills. I understand how they affect our state, our country, our debt and deficit. I vote regardless of who's the sponsor and on what the issue is. If it's making sense and hits those parameters, I'll, I'll vote for it and I'll take the hits. And part of you know me losing, quite frankly, is because I took took some, some tough votes that were the right vote, but, you know, the, the, the far right wing of my party didn't like it. And that's life. Life goes on. You know, there's more to life than politics. And would you go back into politics at the end of this posting? I'm not sure. I don't really look to, as to what's in the future. I, I focus on doing the best job I possibly can do for the next three and a half years. And that's my job. And I am loving it here. 
I mean, truly loving it. Just driving in today and just looking over the to the bay and 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 and, and seeing you know the the and the rain last night seeing and the, the power. rain yeah but if, it, yeah but it's 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 so powerful and and raw and natural. I mean, it was, it was that's it was, us powerful, raw and natural. It was my first choice. I could have gone anywhere in the country, and I chose this for a anywhere reason. in the world. Anywhere in the world, could you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did Mr. Trump say here, Scott? He said, go anywhere in the he world. Said, you can go anywhere in the world. Give me the top five choices. Wow. Yeah. And you chose New Zealand. It was my top choice. What was your second choice? Uh, actually, second choice was Australia. Uh-huh. And then uh, Switzerland and uh, Canada. No regrets? None. None. Uh, you were just telling me that uh, a lot of New Zealanders are sotto voce telling you that they are very much enamored of your president. Yeah, yeah, I was in. The, Why don't they say it out loud? Because say it out loud. Yeah, well, that's how it is back home too. Why do People you think, kind of look over the shoulder because they don't want to get you know in a fight with their neighbor or their friend or a coworker. Why has it become so bitter? Not, you know, that's a great question. I think because there were expectations that he was never going to win ever, and you know, Hillary thought she was going to win. The Democrats would control everything, and we continue on with the way things were going. And there was a hidden, uh, a hidden feeling that the, the Democrats certainly didn't understand. But I endorsed the president. I was the first one. Even I, I've heard through the grapevine that Minister Brownlee came back and he said, yeah, I think Trump's going to win. And based on just this underground feeling of people just not being happy with the apology tour of eight years, the, the lack of, of leadership and kind of leading from behind this former this this form of like, well, we'll just, you know, strategic patience and we'll see what happens. People are tired of it. And then Obamacare, the, the more government in our lives, they just didn't want it anymore. But that's not a vote for Trump. That's a vote against Obama. Why would people have voted for Trump? Well, it's very simple. He had a message very similar to Ronald Reagan. He's going to uh, fix the economy. He's going to build a wall, and he's going to get rid of ISIS. Those three things resonated big time. And how's the wall coming along? The wall is going along well. Mm-hmm. And, and you think that's a good idea? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I think every country has the ability to secure itself, and uh, to do it thoughtfully, methodically, and compassionately is important. The bottom line thoughtfully is thoughtfully and methodically doesn't seem to fit with President Trump. I mean, what's all this tweeting about, do you think? Well, we had... The tweeting. Uh, the, That's not presidential. I tweet. I tweet. You're my not dog, president of the United dog, States. I'm an ambassador of the United States, though. I'm the president's only representative, yeah, sole representative. Yeah, you want to be careful with that. I... I make mistakes just like everybody, and I'll continue to make mistakes, and I'll learn from those mistakes. And here's the difference between our president and former presidents. Uh, you've had our, you know, the whistle-stop tours. You had you know, presidents getting on radio and going directly to the people. Well, with the new social media in play right now, this is the way to communicate to people. And the average American, the person in the middle of the country, the person who's working 40, 50, 60 hours, they want to hear from him directly, and they appreciate that directness. And it may not... make him enamored with the media or or others who are in charge that bubble in Washington, D.C., but for the average person, they kind of dig it. Well, I'm not sure whether they dig the fact that he seems to be blocking the investigation into links with Russia during the election campaign. In what way is he blocking? Well, he's already reviled the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, for recusing himself from all the investigations. Right. And now he's got his aides looking for information that would get investigators recused or justify firing special counsel Mueller. 
politics is a blood sport in our country. Come on, you can't interfere with a special let, counsel. Let, of course, of course, the president can do uh, virtually. He has access. The president can do anything he wants. No, I didn't say that. Let me finish. I, with Jeff Sessions in particular, I know Jeff Sessions, and had he made that disclosure, by the way, I'm going to recuse myself. The president probably wouldn't have picked him, and I think that's appropriate. Jeff is a good, honest, hardworking man, and if the president disagrees with him on those issues, he can fire him or ask his resignation at any time. The fact that he's there speaks volumes. And with regard to the Russia investigation, I'm already on record. If there's been anything done inappropriately, then those people, a person, should be held uh, held accountable. And so why would the president not say, let special counsel Mueller the, get on with every, his job? This thing's been going on forever. And if you think that the Russians have actually taken and changed votes in the United States, then you're wrong. But How if you, do you know? There's no evidence whatsoever. Well, that's how do you showing, know the special counsel Mueller hasn't done his job there's yet? No, there's no voting authority in our country that it says, yes, by the way, our voting booths have been hacked. And no, none, no, no. Well, it may none. not be as obvious as that. None. But if you think that it's completely ludicrous no, suggestion, let me, let me, why let me, let me, do we let me, have let me the special counsel? When you, if you don't think the Russians and the North Koreans and the Chinese are trying to infiltrate not only banks and businesses and political parties right now, you, you're in a different planet. They have been doing it for decades right. and they're going to continue to do it and when the head of the dnc has his password and his personal computer be password for three years and they get hacked and they don't have the security mechanisms in place then shame on them okay they tried to hack the rnc they hacked the dnc and they released the information and you know what the real story is is the way that bernie sanders was treated so shabbily by his party and manipulated so he would lose so it would go to hillary clinton that's the travesty of what's what was discovered right now we have an investigation into whether russia interfered in the election campaign should that investigation continue sure absolutely. should president trump try to get rid of special counsel Mueller. Well, President Trump has a right to fight back against the, the witch hunt that's happening. Against, some, okay, he has but the no, right, no, no, let's be he clear. Has the right, he, Is the special counsel Robert Mueller part of a witch hunt? I have no knowledge of that, and I don't believe so. So, President Trump needs to let Mueller get on with his job, right? Well, he is doing his job. President Trump's aides are looking for information that might justify firing him. If there's any bias or is any, if there's anything in his background that would lead to some type of bias and inappropriate decisions, they have the right to make that determination. You make, don't think that looks like unconstitutional harassment? Let, let me finish. It's mm -hmm. not unconstitutional. It's the ability to provide any and all information to make sure that you can have an adequate defense. What do you mean? You asked, do the aides have the ability to go and investigate and find out things that would make uh, the uh, special prosecutor be biased or tainted in any way? Of course they have that right. Of course they do. So the special counsel will not be able to get on with his job? Well, he's doing his job. Not, not if he's being constantly harassed. Everybody's being harassed in Washington. Everybody. Isn't there any anything... It's sad, isn't it? it well, isn't there any area that is able to be non-political? Boy, that's a great question. My my uh, voting out in 94 to 4, I thought was the beginning of the, the turning around, quite honestly, about that kind of getting along. Uh, I was hoping on uh, infrastructure and construction jobs in particular that they would have an opportunity to put out a good infrastructure bill, uh, dealing with our veterans and our military and uh, the authorization of those types of things, uh, that they would be able to do that. I'm hopeful that they'll kind of get their acts together and, and do these sorts of things. It's been six months. 
the problem is the president's been delayed at every tactic. He didn't get his full cabinet. He hasn't got his full, uh, you know, uh, positions. The good news is that he was able to work and get a good Supreme Court justice in there. And uh, they're working hard to deal with the regulatory uh, problems that are affecting our country and, and moving forward and obviously reestablishing our trust within our allies and fear with our foes. One of, one of the things, of course, that's been problematic for Mr. Trump is that he seems to think that his business affairs are quite separate from his position as president. Do you think that? I'm not quite sure I understand. Well, he says you you can't you're not you're not allowed to look into my private business affairs and you're not allowed to. Yeah, that's his right. That's his right. He doesn't have to. You disclose. don't think he should have disaffiliated himself from all that well, when he, he became president? Well, he no, has. he hasn't. He's put it in the hands of his children. Well, what did you expect him to do? Sell I would up. have done it. No, I, that's, I would never do that. I would, of course, I give to it be to president of the United States. Absolutely. You wouldn't get rid there, of your business. You think the Kennedys gave up all their their businesses and gave them to just sold them? No, they they gave it into the family trust. And do you and, think that the Kennedys thought to make quite so much money out of being president that that Mr. Trump does? To, you think the pres, the president needs to make money? He's already a billionaire. You think he needs? He wants to make more money with respect. You think he I thinks he's got enough now? I, you'd have to ask the president about his financial situation. Yeah, but, the problem with but president. But let me, let me just answer your question, uh-huh. if I could, because I think you're inferring somehow that the president is doing this for the money. He's, he's not doing it for the money. He's I'm not doing, suggesting he's doing it for the money. Oh. I'm saying that he's probably making quite a, a lot of money he's, as a consequence he's, of... He's not making any money. He's making, actually, he's given and donated his salary to, obviously, uh, many different agencies within the government. Uh, so he's not making any money right now. And the fact that his kids who are his flesh and blood are running his companies, I think that's completely and totally appropriate, as I have and will, would do under any circumstances. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You don't see any problem None. with with a conflict None. of interest in None. that fashion? None. That seems extraordinary to a lot of New Zealanders, I think. Well, I think any New Zealander who's worked their whole lives and their families have a business, and by God, they turn into the prime minister or some special person in New Zealand, they would certainly hope that when their term was over, that that, that nest egg that they worked their whole life would still be there. No, but it's put into a blind trust. Well, there are different ways to do it. You can do it in trust. You can put, you can give it to your kids. There's many, many different ways. And for you or me to be judgmental as to why and how somebody's taking care of their financial affairs, I think is inappropriate. I think that it's appropriate to think that if there is a conflict of interest in somebody in a public position of power, then that's a problem. Well, they have the ability to file any type of ethics complaints. And to my knowledge, there's been no complaints with regard to his financial issues whatsoever. the, the, The man in charge of the ethics for the White House has just quit saying that it's a major problem. What's a major problem? The fact that Mr. Trump has not divested himself of his pecuniary uh, interests. I, I haven't heard that. Have I, you not? No, I haven't heard that no. at all. When people are going to quit, there's going to be transitions in every type of office and every every administration, as there was under the Obama administration, the Carter. The every, it's pretty natural. It's the way things happen in, in our country. Basketball. Do you still play basketball? I, I do. I enjoy it. I actually is a school across the street from our residence in Lower Hutton. I went down there and helped the coach coach a bunch of girls. So it's fun. Enjoy it. I can't walk in the, the next day. I usually have to take a leave. <laughs> but you do. What do you do now? Biking? Uh, yeah, I'm a triathlete. So I swim, bike, run, lift. I've already, I'm hitting the Freiburg pool after this and going to go swim. And wow. is at the gym. I feel tired right. already. Um, Arthur Tompkins, who is on this program, talks about art crime, said, oh, you should tell Scott Brown about the Coast to Coast because he's involved in Coast to Coast and he's currently changing the Coast to Coast. 
But you're not doing coast to coast because I understand. Unless I'm wrong, they either have kayaking or paddle. Paddle you don't boarding. like kayaking. I've never done it. Come on. I've never done Even it. Even I can kayak. I probably could, but I, I don't know if I do it well. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's some pretty challenging uh, waterways in in that. And I think I think you need to be somewhat certified, which I'm not. But it's not for a while, so we'll see. So you'll practice kayaking. Um, You're going to go. I know you. I'll probably. You'll be out there. I'll probably you'll, practice kayaking because yeah, you know kayak. you, you you know me already. I'm yes. pretty competitive. Good lord, so competitive. What can't you do, sporting wise? I I will try anything, and I'll do it badly. Rugby. I would love to try rugby. Yeah. I have been watching rugby, and they kick the crap out of each other, and I'm quite frankly not sure how they actually get up. I don't know either. <laughs> it's like being hit by a car. It's like it, American football, It's American however. football without pads. It's amazing. I went to the All Blacks game against the Lions, and I've been watching it when I go to the gym every morning. It's on every morning, and I have the rugby channel at home, and I'm literally saying, how do they get up? I mean, it's really uh, it's fascinating. I know. And uh, so, God I suppose bless that's them. why they make themselves so fit. They get the sort of tough. Well, they're bigger. These external they're, muscle they're, layers. I was speaking to some of the former All Blacks at the All Blacks game, and they said it's a whole different sport now because the the men are bigger and faster and tougher and just genetically like huge. <laughs> so God bless them. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, whatever. <laughs> the thing about American football, however, is that you get all padded up and you get the helmet on. But you use the helmet. They use the helmet like a weapon, and they have terrible concussion yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an issue, and they've done a lot to address that issue. I'm obviously a season ticket holder for the New England Patriots, the, form, the world champions, and you're right, uh, concussions are, real, are really serious, and yeah, they're yeah. doing a lot to address it. You were saying your daughter played American football. She did. She was a captain. Three, did you not worry years. about that? Yes, yes, yeah, I did. But she'll rip your throat out, and then she'll ask you out on a date. Okay. <laughs> Talking about women... One of the main problems that, that people have had with um, your president is his apparent misogyny. You don't think that? I think he's got great kids and he's got a loving wife. And uh, But he treats women like objects and, and addresses them on their appearance rather than the, their merit. You don't think that well, that's I, a problem? I don't know if I agree with that. He, he addresses women on merit all the time. He has been very, very supportive of a lot of women's initiatives. Oh, come on. I mean, we watched him, to say the very least, we watched him on the campaign trail when he was taking on Hillary. And that wasn't taken on merit. That was, you know, making faces and snide remarks about appearance. It was misogyny. With with all due respect to the the political process in our country, uh, they battled. They both battled, and the president won. And he is the president, and he received more electoral college votes. And you can criticize both of them for doing a lot of different types of things. People criticize Hillary Clinton for the way that she treated Bernie Sanders and how the Democratic... No, 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 no. no. We're talking about a president who is on record as saying, he clutches women by the pussy. Yes, and he he certainly apologized and paid a very dear price, not only with his family. Well, you know what the price was. What was the you, price? He, he was in the media being crucified. Oh, for, that was a terrible so thing. For, uh, for weeks. Well, he got criticized for it, and that was the and price he, he paid. apologized, so he's not entitled to have people accept that apology? You don't think that that reveals an underlying no, I attitude? Think, I think he apologized and, and was forgiven. Can you apologize for a basic attitude of misogyny. He apologized, and the people of America accepted that apology and supported him to vote for president. Mm. And he and others will make mistakes. And God forbid if there are people who won't forgive them, then shame on them. 
I mean, he has he has made mistakes. He will continue to make mistakes. Number one, because he's not a politician. Never expected to be president. Okay, when he was younger and throughout this whole process, and that's why people like him because he's not like everybody else. He's not a Washington insider. He's not somebody who's going to you know just you know sugarcoat things to make you feel good. He's going to call it how he sees it, and that's why we're reestablishing our trust with our allies, fear with our foes, and we're addressing the very important economic issues facing our country. The polls seem to show that he's dramatically Who cares? unpopular. Who at the cares moment. about polls? Well, I'm just saying. I don't care about that, polls. You know, it doesn't, does it doesn't indicate that it shows a whole Who lot cares? of love coming to him from the American public right now. Well, with respect, if you talk to the American business leaders, they love what he's doing because they're, they're creating regulatory and tax certainty and creating an environment for them to grow and hire and expand. And you may not like how he says things, but the fact that he's actually doing what he said he was going to do finally... Finally, a president of the United States who's doing exactly what he says, it's monumental. Mm. And regardless of what, you know, we read and see here, and I see all the media, and I see, I, I get it, I get it. It's, it's fun. It's, it's great to criticize, you know, the piling on, not getting a fair go. I get it. Bottom line no, is no, no, the, no, hang on. the American people. Are you people- suggesting that Donald Trump is getting a hard time because the media is disaffected. Absolutely. The media from day one in the United States has not given him a fair go. Look, it's I've very got, obvious. I've got no stake in the media in the United States. Yeah. But if I were in the United States as a woman, I would find the presidency of Donald Trump disgusting. That's certainly your right. That's the, beauty, right. that's the beauty of America. But it's unbelievable to me that all women don't find Donald Trump well, disgusting. It, it, fun- he is on the record it's funny, for his disfaced and content for women. It's funny you say that because he had uh, 52% of women voted for him. I know. It's okay. unbelievable. So, How do you work that out? I don't need to. It's up to them. That's the beauty of our yeah, country. Yeah, it's mysterious, that you, you though, can, don't you think? No, I think it's not because they're focusing on the pocketbook issues. They want to make sure when their kids go to a mall or they go away on a trip that they're going to come home safely. They're not going to get killed and they're not going to be you know, t- terrorized and they're going to make sure that they can pay the bills and, and, and you know, put their kids through school. That's what they're concerned about. They understand that, that people are going to make mistakes and many of them are very forgiving and they, they recognize that he's not a politician and they also recognize that they feel very good about the great business opportunities that are forthcoming, not only for them but for their children. I don't think the justification of not being a politician excuses everything, does it? I'm not saying it excuses everything, but he's, not, but he's not a politician. I mean, right, the, 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 I, deal so with, what? I deal with the facts. So what? So what? Because he, many politicians that I know and probably you have interviewed, you know, they've been wanting to be something their whole lives. And they'll, they'll talk a certain way. They'll move a certain way. They'll do certain things to build up their resumes versus somebody who's, you know, saying, you know what? I'm fed up with what's going on. I'm going to go make a difference. And that's what he's did. That's what he's done. You don't think then that Mr. Trump is a misogynist? I Listen, I know. Or are you saying? Listen, I mean, you, just you, 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 you can try to you can try no, no, to no. characterize him. Straight yeah, question. yeah. Let, let me finish. You, you can try to characterize him any way you want, but I know him. I know he's a good person. He's a hard worker. He's an honest man. And when he gives his word to the American people and to the leaders of the free world that he's going to be there and do something, he's going to do it. You can criticize his his past actions and statements, but I look at his kids. I look at his successful daughters, and I look at the fact that he supported many women initiatives throughout his life, some you've heard about and some you haven't, and has continued to try to find a way to treat people with dignity and respect. Has he made mistakes? Sure. Is he going to continue to make mistakes? Sure. And that's why people like him, because he's not perfect. I don't see Hillary Clinton in jail yet. Okay. 
So we're talking about who said, a teaching, who, who said that? Uh, Mr. Trump. Well, listen, there was a lot said during the political campaign. No, I'm campaign. just saying, you said he always keeps there, his word. There were, there were a lot of things said during the political campaign. So he doesn't that we, always that keep his word. On. Listen, if you can take what he said during a campaign and try to, you know, twist it around in some way, shape, or form. But with, 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 all due, with, all, with all due respect, you know, Hillary Clinton has made mistakes. And she is going, she's paid dearly for those mistakes. And I wish her well. I'm she's not, a good, no, honest, no, no. hardworking person. I am simply taking you at your word. You're telling me that Mr. Trump keeps his word. I'm saying he obviously doesn't. That's all. You, you, you can take things during the political rhetoric and well, the campaign. That was bullshit then during the campaign. Uh, it was political rhetoric. All right. So at what point does he start telling the truth? At the point in what respect? For example. For example, during the campaign. Yeah, during the campaign. He right? doesn't tell the truth. When does he start telling the truth? Uh, I believe he is telling the truth. All right. So everything he says from this point on is going to be absolutely true. I I can't tell what's going to be happening ever from here on. I just know the things that I've been dealing with and the information I've been getting, I verify and I confirm it and I, I make sure that it's accurate and I move forward. So in the unlikely event that Mr. Trump either resigns or is impeached. Not going to happen. All right. So Unlikely. I'm not even going to bother no, to comment on it. Okay. Not even going to discuss it because it's so unrealistic. It's something that, that maybe, you know, people may like to think about, but it's not even a political reality. So why even waste time on it? All right. But if, in the unlikely event... Yeah, okay, go ahead. Do you, do you have to immediately go home? I mean, how does that work? First of all, it's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. So, but to, if it to did. try, I don't deal in hypotheticals. I deal in reality, mm -hmm. and that's not even reality. So, assuming that something happens, he passes away, he dies, and there's an ordinary, there's an orderly succession with the vice president. Of course not. No, I'll finish my term. Absolutely. Yeah. But if an alternative uh, listen, scenario should come uh, you to can, pass. You can, can, you can ask me 3,000 different ways about, hy about, hy about hypotheticals that, with all due respect, have no basis of reality. No. None. No chance of impeachment. None. No chance of resignation. None. Though you're very staunch. I'm very honest. You're very staunch. <laughs> you just don't like my answer, no, which is no, fine. I, I, I respect you. I have, I respect your, I have your, your no liking me, but... or dislike of your answers. I'm merely interested in the okay. fact that you will not contemplate the possibility. Because it's not reality. Based on the political process in our country, who's in charge and the things that are actually happening, with all due respect, uh, you know, it's not, it's not something I'm even wasting time on. When you say about. who's in charge, you mean? Well, you have a Republican majority right. in both houses, and okay. you have a Republican president. Yeah. But fair to say that there are a number of Republicans who are disaffected with the president. That's politics. There are not usually quite so many Republicans not in favor of a Republican president, uh, surely. That's, that's, uh, I'm not sure that's true at all. You don't think so? Absolutely not. No? You don't think that Donald Trump lacks the support of a considerable number of his Republican colleagues? He gets support when he earns it, and he doesn't when he doesn't. And that's politics in, in Washington or any state house or in America. That's pretty normal. You're, do you miss it? Do I miss the would back you like and forth? To, yeah, would you like to be back yeah, in there? I, I, I enjoyed solving people's problems. I'm yeah. a problem solver, but I can do it at a larger level right here. But do you miss that sort of cut and thrust of national politics? This is pretty. This is pretty intense. What I'm doing. I'm representing the you're president. You're just talking to me. I mean, relax. No, no, I'm, I'm, 
I'm talking to everybody. I know you. You're it's nice, been very nice. Nice try. Nice try. Nice try. It's very nice talking to you. Thank you, Scott Thank Brown. You guys. Is the U.S. ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa.